0: Yeah, come, come have your way this morning. I just pray for a sense of you this morning, sense of your power and your purpose over all things this morning. Come speak to us. Come open our ears. Come open our minds and our hearts to what you're doing this morning. Pray for a deeper sense of you for each and every one of us, a deeper sense of your goodness and your love. Now we hear the word love so often, don't we? In church settings we hear the word love, I'm loved, Jesus loves you, God loves you. I think sometimes it can go over our heads. And I wonder why sometimes God keeps telling us he loves us. Is it for that reason? That actually we need to understand how how much we're loved. We need to make sure that we're we're strong in that foundation. Actually, our position is a position of loved. I am a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. You know we, we when we come to God, when we when we come to, to to people, we need to understand that we are coming from a position of someone highly loved, highly favoured. We've had it all this morning. Had a whole concept of perspectives. You know, we can look at our perspectives and we can look at the ground and we've got buildings around us and we had Steve swimming on his back and he's looking at the scene and we can we can have perspectives of of what we are and who we are and what God's doing. But actually, God's perspective is you are loved. And I think that's the perspective that we need to keep hold of in our hearts. We need to always wear that as a mantle, you know, over us, a badge of honour. Beloved son, beloved daughter, beloved child. And I think God is saying, love over us. Because I think we really do, we sometimes, yeah, yeah, I'm loved, yeah, I've heard that before, I know Jesus loves me. We need to get that in our hearts. This morning I'm going to talk from um, John 4, and it's the story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well. So I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to talk a bit through it, and uh, we'll just see where God takes us. Yeah. So it's John four. We'll Starting at verse four. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining, gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Of our own fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sika, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Sikar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, I will uh, give me a drink. Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you Living water, sir," so the woman said. "You have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gives us the well and dug, drunk from it himself, as also his sons and his livestock?" Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again." But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied. Believe me, and a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kinds of worship... The father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he says to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months and the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps Draws a wage and harvests crops of eternal life, so that, so that the sower and the reaper may glee together. Thus the saying, one sows and the other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work for you, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is the man really is the savior of the world. And it was quite a long verses to read out, but I just wanted the, to get the whole picture here. you know And uh, to me, it just matches really what's been brought this morning about perspectives and our viewpoints and where we're looking from. And uh, I just want to say to you, God uses broken people. God uses broken people. You know, we're all broken. We've all got history. We all have baggage. We all have situations that we may have gone through or not have gone through or circumstances that have shaped us and moulded us. But God can use those circumstances. God can use those situations for the glory of his kingdom. God is in the business... Of using broken people. And I mean, God tells us He loves us because in our brokenness, we discount ourselves, don't we? In our brokenness, we discount ourselves. No, no, we, God, what I do and where I've come from, how can earth can I be used? What I've done and, and what I, I, I'm, I'm doing, how, how can God still use me? But actually, He wants to give us His perspective. And as we said earlier, his perspective is that we are sons and daughters. We are loved. We are loved. I put down in my notes owls. I've got loads of owls down. All owls this and owls that. And the first one I've got is owl culture. And in this passage, the first stumbling block this woman has is that culturally, this should not be happening. Oh. Culturally, this should not be occurring. Culturally, who is this man speaking to me? He, he is a Jew, and he doesn't speak to Samaritans they're the, that they're a mixed race of, oh, no, no, we don't want to know them. We don't want to deal with them. So, we've got a cultural barrier straight away. One, um, she's a woman and he's a man. So, that's another issue there. Him speaking to her like he was, being quite intimate, having a chat one to one. Culturally, that's a, ooh, it's a bit of a faux pas. Talking to her because she's a Samaritan, oh, another one, a bit dodgy. And. Uh, It wasn't Jesus who had a culture issue, it was her who had the cultural issue. Because God can break through cultural barriers in reaching people. God can break through cultural barriers that actually we can perceive and we can put up that actually are not even there, they're not important. Now there is cultural things, I know Chris comes from an African culture. I'm, I'm a, a Western European culture, you know? And, and, and there's some cultural differences in our lives, isn't there? But actually, is that a barrier between me and him? Is that a barrier between what God can do in him and what God can do in me? And actually, sometimes we can use those barriers to affect the work of God, can't we? We can use those barriers. Actually, culturally, we're different. So actually, it's not my place to... But actually, that's rubbish. God is in the business of smashing through culture. That is not a barrier to him. So whatever culture you're from, yeah, whatever uh, 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 way of life you're used to, I think that's important. But actually, what's important is, what's God doing in this? What's the kingdom perspective? And I think as a people of Christ, we need to start having more of a kingdom perspective, And stop ruling ourselves out of of doing the things that God's called us to do because of one, we're culturally not right or two, we're we're carrying baggage like this, this, this woman here, the Samaritan woman. Brokenness and sin is not a problem for God. Our sin... An brokenness is not a barrier for God to use you and to move things forward. Because you're a sinner or because you're in sin doesn't mean that God can't use you. This story is a story of God's amazing grace breaking into circumstances. One, she's a woman. In those times, the women's had no... The women's. The women's. The women had no ethos they were, they were child bearers they were wives, they were mothers that was their role they had no kudos, they had no oomph about them Jesus broke through that barrier this woman came at noon to draw water now This was a big jar of water. This wasn't just like a couple of little pots she was carrying. It was a big jar of water. She would fill up several litres and have to haul it back home again. So she's coming there because Jesus has already called her out that there's sin in her life. So she comes at 12 o'clock because, one, she's already discounted herself from society and she's discounted herself from God. So, from society, I'm going to go one else's business in the area. They all know, oh, that's the one who's got, had four and five husbands. That's the one who's yeah, yeah, sleeping around a bit. She's, she's with some other guy now. She had discounted herself because of her circumstances. Are you discounting yourself because it'll smash away your concepts of what you're unable to do because he is so much greater? Yeah. She says, come midday, because she obviously doesn't want to meet everyone else, doesn't want to have to give an account, encounters Jesus. Jesus chats away to her. Bang, big food par, shouldn't be doing that. Yeah? And then he gets talking to her. But the interesting thing here, he doesn't actually answer any of her questions, does he? And when she, he says to her, um, that's... a. Uh, You've, got, you've, you've, you've had five husbands and the one you're with isn't your husband. What does she do? She avoids the question. She comes in with someone else, you know. Oh, Lord, you know, you're a prophet. You know, but you Jews say we should worship here. You Jews say we should do this and that. But actually, we worship on the, on the mountain where we don't go to Jerusalem. She totally changes the subject, doesn't she? And uh, she tries to avoid the question and I mean, when dealing with people who are hurting when dealing with people who are caught up in sin when dealing with people who may not even believe Jesus in the name of Jesus they can avoid the question they can strive to get out of it or wriggle about or they may want to do something else and all that But actually, what Jesus did, he kept pointing her back to her need. And her need was that she needed living water. The need was that actually the circumstances in her life are wrong and she needed living water. And actually, for us, when we deal with, with talking to people who perhaps haven't worked out who this Jesus is yet or have an understanding of who he is, actually, we don't need to give all the answers. We don't need to answer all their questions. Jesus doesn't. We need to point them to the love of God. We need to point them to where their needs are. Actually, you need a, you've got a need, and I know you, where it can be met. That's our role. I know sometimes that we can be frightened or worried or concerned about being rejected for the things we say about Jesus. We can have an anticipation, actually, no, no, before even say it, no, 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 I'm not going to bother talking, they're not going to listen to me. You know, I had that the other day. I mean, I was talking to someone and he attacked me with a fork and done this. Non-believer attacked me with a fork and done this. But actually, we can go for it straight away. We can have that worrying concern, they're gonna attack us, verbalize us, reject us. We're gonna ruin the friendship. But Actually, they've got a need. And that is Jesus. And my experience is that actually, they're quite glad to have that conversation with people. They're quite glad. To have a real conversation. This woman at the well had a real conversation with Jesus. Then Jesus disciples returned. And so she leaves her jar and she scurries off. Well, I think I why does she do that? Is that like she's thinking, oh you know, it always mates around. Well, I'm gonna get out of here now. All his mates have turned up. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to sh- scurry off. They're going to know more about me. He's already told me I'm a sinner and told me I've done this. I'm not going to go. I'm going to show off. And when I first read this, I felt there was a bit of that, really. But actually, I don't think there was. I think something had changed in her. I think something the encounter of Jesus had changed her. The encounter with Jesus had affected her. Why do I know or why do I think that? Right? She's come to the well at midday to avoid people. Yeah? She's not engaging with the rest of society around her. She shut herself off from the rest from her neighbours and other people. And what does she do? She goes running back to the town and she says to them, come with me. Listen to this guy who's just told me everything about my life. Come and hear what he has to say. She turns from a sinner to an evangelist. She turns from someone who's discounted herself socially, culturally. And now she's saying to people, come with me. Come and listen to the man. He's, he's talking about living water. Come and hear what he has to say. Come with me. Five minutes ago, it's all oh, keep away from me. You can imagine, her, can't. You walking up the street. It's a runabout. She goes back to the town. And I tell you what, this living water—it's amazing. Holy Spirit convicts. It's not our job. Holy Spirit connects. And then the Holy Spirit enables. She had a conviction of sin. She connected with God. And it enabled her to go and speak the truth. For you guys, yeah, Holy Spirit convicts you. Is there stuff wrong in your life? You just get it right. Sin's not a good thing. It does hinder our relationship with God. But nothing is impossible. God is fighting for our attention. God is desiring to be with us. Sin is not the big barrier that stops God coming to us. It's the barrier that stops us going to God. He's defeated sin. He was hung on a cross. He's destroyed sin so that we can have a relationship with with God. Now, there's obviously issues where we say, well, sin can be a barrier to the Holy Spirit. I I get some of that. But actually, we're the biggest barrier. We're the biggest barrier. We're too quick to discount ourselves in this situation. We're too quick to discount ourselves in that situation. I couldn't possibly do that. I couldn't possibly do this. Holy Spirit. Convicts, connects, and it enables. We need to be people who are connected to the Holy Spirit. It needs to be a flow of the Spirit, the living water, coming in and out of us constantly. Holy Spirit, what am I doing here? Holy Spirit. And we move on to the story. This is, this is the bit that just blows me away. Let me just find so I'll read it properly to you. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay. And he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more believed. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There's people who are going to know Jesus Christ because of the testimony you give them. God is calling you to speak the truth of the things God has done in your life which will release other people. They're not going to attack you with a pitchfork. They may actually thank you for it. You may actually become good friends and have a good relationship with them because of the things you've told. I remember when I got told about Jesus, I thought said, why, I was 29. I thought, why did no one tell me earlier? 20, 26, sorry. I thought, why did no one tell me earlier? What well, a waste, 26 years. And I was the most unlikely person to respond to the gospel. But thankfully, my friend did not discount himself because of the cultural barriers between us, because of the stuff I was into and the stuff he was into. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict. We need to equip and we need to go. It's not our job to have all the answers. Jesus never gave the lady all the, que- all the answers to her questions this she? Did he? Sorry. He kept pointing back to her need. In this season, we're in the moment, there's a massive need over our nation. There's trauma, there's tragedy, there's uncertainty, there's poverty. Jesus is the need. They need to know that they are loved. They need to know that actually there's a way forward. They need to know there is a hope. And that is found in him. That is found in him. I'm going to leave it there. I think I've covered. I'm gonna, yeah. I just want to hit that again. The Holy Spirit convicts. Holy Spirit connects. And Holy Spirit enables. He releases us. The pressure's off. The burden's lifted. Our job is to stop discounting ourselves for the work He has for us and just to go and do. We've already had that amazing passage. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws the wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that a sower and the reaper might glee together. Thus the sound, one sows and another reap is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of the labor open your eyes open your eyes the fields are ripe for harvest stop listening to negativity that says the gospel doesn't work stop living listening to people saying oh but we don't we don't share our faith oh no we tried that once but it doesn't work it does work Half of you sitting in this room are here because someone shared their faith with you. Is is that right? Or am I just wrong? It works. It works today. It's going to work tomorrow. It worked hundreds of years ago. It's going to work hundreds of years from now unless Jesus returns and there'll be no need for it. We need to have an eternal perspective. We're not swimming in our backs, looking at our church life on a Sunday and, and, and work on Monday. We need to have the eternal perspective. Kingdom breaks through culture, kingdom breaks through uh, 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 secularity, kingdom breaks through in our workplace. Kingdom is everywhere, and we are people of the King. That's why he loves us. Because we are people of the king. I've had a real... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Epiphany. That actually, God is the king. And I think, wow, God is king. God is the king. And I think we, we, we don't get that until now. I think that's come home with Charles on the throne... And we've got a king now over us, a monarchy, a king. We understand that. But actually, we've always had a king. We've always had a king. Actually, the king, with all authority, is ruling and reigning over everything. So why do we worry? Why do we concern? And I know cares of this world, but actually, we're beloved children of God. Holy Spirit-filled, equipped and enabled to go and do whatever He wants us to do. And what God says, open your eyes. Open your eyes and see what we can do together. We can do together. I'm going to pray and we're going to finish there. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I just pray for encounters with you. I just pray for Holy Spirit encounters over the next week. I pray for each and every one of us to experience the presence and the love of God. I pray for us to be vessels that carry jars of living water to the lost. I pray we will just carry living water out to people. Pray for living water to flow from us and change lives.